Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Folks, welcome again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're plugged in, of course, to AM 990 and FM 101.5. The word in Orlando, a good place to keep your dial set uh, all day long. You know, you'll be better for it. Uh, here's the story. Uh, we're going to have a couple of very interesting guests. And we get on the air because of the engineering skills of one Pete Paquette. And... Um, uh, Andrew Herdliska produces the show for us each weekend. Uh, let me introduce to you Dennis Allen, former Air Force F-15 fighter and instructor pilot. Uh, his book is called The Disciple Dilemma, uh, rethinking and reforming how the church does discipleship. Uh, Dennis joins us from his home in Virginia. Nice to welcome you to Orlando, Dennis. How you doing? Good, Dad. I have to be with you. Uh, tell me why uh, it was important to write this book. What is the dilemma? I kept noticing something in the in the world, both of Christianity, when you're working as a participant in, in the Lord's churches, as a leader, um, just as somebody in the pew, and as well as a business guy. That's turf that you're really familiar with in the corporate world. I kept seeing a very eerie similarity, which is this. We don't know how to pursue our mission that Christ gave us as disciples, just like a lot of businesses don't know how to pursue their mission and get their people to pursue their mission. And it's destroying the followership of disciples of Christ. The statistics are stunning. So I started looking into this, and I said, what's going on? And I started talking with some theologians, and the book began to emerge. Dennis, uh, at the very beginning of your book, let's uh, dive in. Christian, Christian tradition says salvation is free, lordship is optional. Business tradition says I'm here for the benefits. Uh, what are you telling us there at the beginning of your book? One of the biggest challenges that you face as a leader in any kind of organization, whether it's the church or the business world, is getting your people to believe that they have a unique dignity and a place and a calling and a destiny with your organization. And when we look at that, in the church, we see that people are really struggling to understand what's their calling. They understand they're supposed to be in the pews, but what is it? What's the greater calling? Just as in the business world, a lot of people go to work just for the paycheck, just for the benefits, and you don't have much loyalty today in the business community. There's a lot of what we call churn, employee turnover. People are walking away rapidly from just short tenures of business. And interestingly, we're seeing the same thing in the church. For example, millennials today, about six out of 10 were raised in the church, walking away, not coming back. It's an eerie similarity in both the business world for the benefits and the tradition of Christianity. It's like, I want to get saved. But this thing about lordship, now nah, I'm good. Don't need it. Dennis Allen is with us. Dennis, let's move on. Uh, Christian tradition, catch and release, under-discipled converts, business tra- tradition, hire faster. 
the last ones we didn't train are leaving. Tell us more. So this book, even though it says it's the disciple dilemma, is really a leadership book. And mm. we want to say right out of the gate, this is not a conversation to condemn pastors, condemn churches, to put shame, blame, guilt on anybody, but it's to talk about causes that have hacked their way into Christianity. 1,800 years ago this hack began, and it's ripping us up. It's causing discipleship to become fragile and brittle. So, you know, you just read one of our causes that we call catch and release, and the whole point is we're really strong in the Christian community about getting people to come to know Jesus, and then we leave them oftentimes as orphans on the sidelines, Pat. We say, Hey, here's a Bible. Get to be a member of the church. Hope it works great for you. There's no biblical Jesus-directed relationship and discipleship, and it's causing fragile, brittle disciples to emerge. Now we move on. Christian tradition? Power makes everything better. Business tradition? Kiss the ring. <laughs> Tell us more. Well, in the business world, of course, when you're dealing with somebody who has a great deal of power, it is kiss the ring. You'd better be really nice to Vladimir Putin. You'd better be really nice to the people who are the top folks in the organizations that you work with, or sometimes the power can descend down on you, and that's not a good thing. Interestingly, in the Christian community, going back again to the third century, Christianity was under great persecution by the Romans. Suddenly, an emperor by the name of Constantine showed up. And what we found was churches that used to be made up of four, five, maybe eight people suddenly had 200 people standing outside the door. And when they showed up, we didn't know how to deal with them. This whole idea of power became the idea you have to be a part of the in crowd, the Christian crowd, but it doesn't mean you need to know what lordship means, what surrender means. The book is trying to make the point, if you don't understand how power can divert you as a leader, divert you as a disciple, it will wreck your discipleship. And uh, now, um, I, I just want you to know, folks, Dennis Allen is with us. We're talking about his book, The Disciple Dilemma. Next topic for you, Dennis. Christian tradition. Clerical distancing. No liturgies without a license. Business tradition, if I want your help, I'll give it to you. Yeah, so what, we, what we're trying to communicate here, we stole from the pandemic, right? You think about social distancing. Clerical distancing, clericalism, is the idea that only the pros, the people with the degrees, are allowed to do the stuff that we think are the heavy lifts in Christianity, whether it would be Bible study, baptisms, burying the in-laws, all those sorts of things, just for the pros. The rest of you, you sit in the pew, be amazed. And what we learned over the years, this goes all the way back to the 4th century with uh, clerical distancing, we taught believers your job to sit still, and the pros are supposed to do the work. Therefore, it becomes what we call concierge Christianity. I come in and get entertained, check the kids into their Sunday school program, grab my coffee, you make me feel good, I go home, I'm done. And the pros are left with the burden of trying to carry the ball of discipleship, all of the ministry work, which was originally intended for all of us. Clerical distancing is another cause problem that we need to get rid of. 
Dennis, topic number six is a Christian tradition. Herd community causes disciples. Business tradition, too big to fail. Explain that to us. This one is a big question, Pat. It is not an attack on a megachurch or a big church. Don't hear that. What I want you to hear is this idea of it is not possible to just put a bunch of basketball players in a room and show them a videotape and expect them to suddenly become great basketball players. You have to get out in a relationship with people, work the floor. Just like that in golf, you can't watch the videotapes, you can't go to the pro shop and be a great golfer. You've got to walk alongside some great golfers and practice. In herd community, we stole this again from the pandemic when we think about herd immunity, herd community is you don't put a bunch of believers in a room in a big worship service and slosh them around and expect disciples to come out. You have to break it down into the relationship Christ called us to. Now let's go on to topic number seven, Dennis. Christian tradition. The not main things... Business tradition, mission drift, uh, unravel that one for us. Yeah, this is one that really zeroes in on the leadership aspects of Christianity. When we talk about one of the main problems in corporate America, I'm a turnaround CEO. I go into broken corporations. My joke is I'm in corporate repentance because repentance is a turnaround, right? So helping struggling corporations turn around. And the main problem is we don't know why we're here. And the same problem begins to occur in the church because we have taken our leaders, pastors, elders, deacons, small group leaders, ministry people, and we turn them into managers. There's nothing wrong with management, but when leaders are pulled into being managers, they become distracted. And the not main things take over the agenda of the main thing, which is Shortly and briefly stated, Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all kinds of people. This is mission drift, and this is really the core of the dilemma. With that, we move to part two. Part one, what is the dilemma? Part two, the dilemma's effects. The dilemma and the disciple, the dilemma and the Christian community. Uh, Tell us about the dilemma's effects. When you look at the symptoms that we're facing today, the people who are walking off on their faith, the so-called nuns, I no longer attend church, the nuns, I no longer have anything to do with my faith. When you look at the people in the pews, large swaths, the research shows us 80% of the people in the pew today who are still attending, no Bible study, they have no fellowship, they have no real prayer life. That's 8 out of 10. 9 out of 10 say, talking about my faith is not my job, it belongs to the pros up in the pulpit. The effects are in two phases. One, the symptom, which is we're seeing this tremendous degradation in discipleship. Two, it's affecting Christian community because people are looking at Christian community and saying, well, you're just a club. You're just a clique. You're just a political cause. You're just a social event. We don't see you being any different than the rest of us. So the effects are we're diluting the effect of salt and light in the world, and we are making fragile and brittle disciples. Dennis Frank, Dennis Allen is with us. He's um, in Virginia, Northern Virginia. Uh, what a background. A former in leadership with mega, mid-sized, and start-up churches. An elder, a deacon, a teacher, and speaker across the Presbyterian and the 
evangelical free Baptist churches, military chapels in the U.S., Europe, and Asia. Uh, We're talking about his book, The Disciple Dilemma, Rethinking and Reforming How the Church Does Discipleship. Well, Dennis, at the end of the book, towards the end, part three, moving forward, a better path. Uh, tell us what you're going to teach us here. What's the, what's the story here? What we're trying to tell folks, again, is not a shame, blame, guilt, work harder path. What we're trying to say is we need to rethink the fact that we have tried to upgrade the discipleship that Jesus gave us. Version 1.0 would be Jesus' version. We tried to come up with a version 2.0 over a long period of centuries, and what we've done is we've upgraded into a non-functional, ransomware, hack type of discipleship. So the path forward for us is, can we re-baseline? Leaders, this means a culture change in your church, and like it means in business, this is not a microwave event. This is a long-term game where we have to rebuild culture, the memory of the way our people think, act, and behave, even when we're not around. What does that mean? What are the implications of that in discipleship? Well, there are five topics uh, under uh, the heading here of Part 3, and uh, we'll cover one here before the break, and then we'll... Uh, after the break, we'll dive into the rest of them. But, uh, Dennis, uh, the first one here, simply a disciple of Christ. Uh, tell us what you're teaching there. What does that mean? We're trying to take in one chapter what people have written thousands of books about. So please let me just humbly say this is one chapter by a guy who is just a regular guy trying to talk about what the Bible says about discipleship. And it's about each of us as an individual do have obligations to learn, be in sermons, go on mission trips, be in ministry, be involved as people who love Christ, and yet also, do we have wingmen walking alongside us in our lives so we can relate to one another and connect with other people who don't know Christ? Muscle memory change, life transformation for the rest of my life. That's kind of a short story on that chapter. Uh, My name is Pat Williams, and every weekend... Uh, We gather uh, just like this uh, on AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando, and always have some uh, really, really interesting guests. Uh, I do want to remind you that my latest book is out, and when you go up to order The Disciple Dilemma, uh, pick up a copy of Every Day is Game Day. Uh, we wrote the book together with my friend uh, Mark Atterbury. It's a 365-day <clears throat> devotional, sports devotional. Uh, every day has a sports story, sports anecdote, uh, with a devotional that comes uh, with it, and uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. Every day is game day. Well, folks, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Uh, Our guest, Dennis Allen, will be back with us here talking about his book, The Disciple Dilemma. Stay with More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Now, here's Pat. Dennis Allen, former Air Force F-15 fighter and instructor pilot, is our guest Uh, We're talking about his book, The Disciple Dilemma. 
And Dennis, we've arrived at uh, the topic, A Path Forward, The Mission and Culture. Explain that. One of the things that I've noticed in business turnarounds, Pat, is that a lot of the leaders, CEOs on down, don't really understand what mission and culture means to an organization. They think mission is a flowery statement that you put on a shelf somewhere after doing a retreat once a year. They think that culture is just what everybody naturally does because they can read your mind and they follow exactly what you want them to do without you even have to remind them. That's a problem in the business world, and it's an equivalent problem in the church because most pastors have gotten wonderful theological training, but very little to expose them to the importance of a mission and the culture that serves that mission. Mission is all about what we do, and every decision and everything we do should center on that mission, which we argue. And by the way, folks, if you don't like what I'm saying, Pat invited me on, so it's his fault, not mine. Here we go. The mission of the believer and the mission of the church are both to make disciples, and we must focus ourselves with our unique talents and locations on doing that. So that's the mission. Do we do that? And the culture is teaching our people to follow with discipline and rigor that mission. Now explain to us the true mission of a Christian community. Uh, You do a whole chapter on that. We spend a lot of time on this because the baggage around mission has often been, as we said, this flowery statement where we talk about our values and our ethics and what we think, and that's not exactly a mission. We gave a number of business examples of organizations that have very tight, very focused missions, and a lot of organizations who have very flowery missions, and by the way, they don't exist any longer, so that's kind of some fun reading. The true mission of a Christian community is to bring people to meet the Lord Jesus Christ, to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, to pursue them with all their heart, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the mission of Christian community. If we do that, worship, ministry, mission trips, all that other stuff happens. But if we try to focus our mission on growth, buildings, programs, celebrities, well, we're just going to have an entertainment venue and it's going to produce gradual, rival disciples. So leadership, we've got to think about how crucial getting on mission is for Christianity. Dennis, uh, we now have arrived at the part of the book that I've been waiting uh, all morning for. Uh, It's called The Duty of Leaders. And then that leads to the final chapter, Leadership and discipling in tumultuous times. Uh, that's, the, I think, the meat of this book, and I'm so eager to hear you explain it. This is the crux of it all, Pat. Thanks for teeing that up. The plain, straightforward point is, leaders, we will not undo this hack if you're simply preaching or simply running seminars or simply running programs. The duty of leaders is to help educate, certainly say what we must do, what the Bible calls us to do. But then we have to model that, and we have to find people who will model that modeling. In other words, how we make disciples among us who will make disciples. If we basically construct a universe where people come to church, they go home, they pull up the drawbridge, they stay indoors, and the salt and light of the gospel doesn't pour into the streets of the communities that we live in, 
We aren't making disciples. We're just making educated Christians who are sitting in pews. The duty of leaders, we have to start changing church, and church doesn't like to change. So leaders, is there really a problem, and do you really want to take this journey? It's going to be long, but it's biblical. It's what Christ called us to do. And in the times that we live in today, with all the turbulence from the headlines to the real world events to the business world and all the other things you can think about, how do we penetrate the arts, the media, the academies, the business world, the sports world? It is by disciples, walking alongside disciples, making disciples of unbelievers and those who are already believers to follow Christ with all their heart. Uh, Dennis, <clears throat> what do you want to, everybody to take from this discussion that we've had and from your book? Uh, what, what's the bottom line to all this? My plea is, especially for the leadership, and if you're over 15 years of age and you've been a believer for more than a year, you're implicated here, but especially for formal leadership, would you please take a look at this and decide, is there really a problem? Is it really among the people of my church? And if so, who will be your wingman to come alongside you and refocus on the mission and the calling and the destiny Christ has given to all of us? It will be a struggle. But it is worthwhile because Christ has called us to that. Are you ready for that? That's the question. Now, are you ready to go? We tried to give you a map you can follow that we think is biblical. Our prayer is you'll hit us at discipledilemma.com. Take a look at the conversation and go with us on the journey. Dennis, from your experience in the military, in the church, in the business world, do you see common traits of great leaders, common threads? absolutely wonderful traits of great leaders. We see it across the New Testament, and we see it today. And we see it as people who have the courage to say, I'm going back to a biblical model. Uh, an example I would give you in contemporary Christianity is Francis Chan, who, running a megachurch, said, boy, that's complicated. We need to break this down more. And he took the courage to help reassemble, reform that church. Fantastic leadership model there. And, of course, we can look back in history of people, even go back to Pope Gregory, who had the courage to reform and rethink the way we relate so that we keep that relationship going forward. Christ has given us a lot of great examples, Pat. Do you think um, leaders are born with certain leadership traits, or are they developed? Well, I'm, I'm going to go really hard into certain people have natural skills, but all of us are called to be a leader of one or more, and you and I have the obligation to lead, and the Lord teaches us in Scripture how that works, what leadership looks like, so that we can go out and make those relationships and invite people to come check out the Lord Jesus Christ. Dennis, as I study the great leaders of history, the church, it seems to me the the number one quality they have is simply the word vision. They, they see the future before it gets here. Uh, then they work backwards, putting the pieces in place to turn that vision into reality. Does that ring a bell with you? The idea of vision, I find, gets confusing across lines because people define them in different ways. I like the way you set it up. The Lord has already given us the future. He's already called the shots. He is the Lord who is on the hunt for us. Our vision, then, is to pick up that conversation to help people come check out the Lord Jesus Christ. There's vision for us, and then we begin to move this forward. Leaders, yes, you absolutely have to park in your soul 
you are called, every one of you, to go out and make disciples, whether it's one or thousands. That's a common trait for all of us as believers in Christ. Dennis, uh, what are the leadership traits about Jesus that you most admire? (laughs) What a great question. He asked questions of people. He got their story, he got them talking and them thinking, and left them with the same dilemma. Who are you? Who am I, being Jesus, and where is this journey going? That is a fantastic trait of a leader, listening to people instead of simply being the most wise and wonderful person in the room. I love that about Christ. That's great. In fact, I liked it so much, Dennis, I wrote it down. (laughs) Jesus was a great question asker. Got people talking, then he listened to people, and then asked more questions. <laughs> That's a great lesson for all of us. Well, I'm so glad that we had a chance to visit, Dennis. Congrats on your book, and um, anytime you write another one, uh, we're here waiting for you. Honored to be with you, Pat. Thanks for having me.